0: Welcome to Breakaway from the Pack. This podcast is brought to you by the team at Finishing School, completing your professional education. Hello, I'm Linda McGowan, and in this episode of Breakaway from the Pack, I'm talking with Patrick Wayne. Hi, Pat. Hi, how are you going? Very good, thank you. Pat, I wanted to talk to you about your experiences as a recent graduate from university and some of the thoughts that you had before you graduated and what it's been like in this first year. So before we get started about uh, your experiences in the workforce, um, you've been graduated as an engineer Mm -hmm. for a year? Yes,
1: a year and a half, I suppose. I graduated (laughs) in November 2017 and then started working in January the following
0: year. Oh, fantastic, well done. That's a nice short period. Yeah so if you can think back to those last few months of your degree what were you thinking about your chances of employment
1: oh man well i suppose not in the last few months because i i was lucky to secure my role in march of my final year i sorry may of my final year so but in the in the start of that final year i was definitely sort of rudely kicked into game mode when i noticed that a lot of Graduate, graduate roles at different engineering companies. They were closing their application periods in February and March and April. So I got onto it pretty quickly and it was like a second subject, uh, sorry, a fifth subject on top of what I was studying, just trying to do all the applications and submit everything. And then at the end of the day, I probably did so many that the quality of them might have dropped. So it was a bit stressful. And yeah, the, the mm-hmm. biggest stress is will I finish this course and not have a job or will I be unemployable and I really had no idea if I was employable or not employable.
0: I think that's a really good phrase that you put in there about it being a fifth subject. I think that's a really good way of looking at it because you have to put that dedication in and that time because as you said already applications were closing and you were lucky to have that I I didn't have that opportunity when I did my degree back in (laughs) those days (laughs) um, because it just wasn't around then as a as something to be done Mm -hmm. so that's a a great way of looking at it I love that the fifth subject
1: yeah it really was and it was it was super stressful I think because I I put a lot of stresses on myself and you know all these things go through your head like it's been you know I'm in my fourth year of this or for me it was my sixth year since finishing high school and well this whole time I've you know I've been at home with my parents they've supported me the whole way through and I've really had an easy ride and I've done well and I've worked so hard and I felt like even though no one had explicitly said that they had any expectation of what I should be doing I sort of felt the world the weight of the world on my shoulders that you know, it's expected that you graduate and then you just start working, which now I know is not how it works for plenty of us. But yeah, that's certainly added mm. to it all.
0: Did you find that some of the people that you did your degree with, did they end up in jobs or are they did that take a while longer to get their, their first job?
1: Yeah, well, I studied mechanical engineering and um, we were told during our course at one point that 50% was the employment rate straight out of university for mechanical engineering graduates in Australia, Um, which is pretty scary. At the same time, if you're on top of your stuff, it's not hard to look around the room and feel a bit arrogant and be like, well, I must be at least as good as half the people here. But then I'm sure 95% of us were actually thinking, oh my gosh, I'm in the bottom 50%, I'm never gonna get employed. because naturally we're hard on ourselves. Mm. Um, So yeah, it was pretty daunting. And to answer your question, I can't say exactly how many people got jobs straight out of uni. I I know a handful of people who did and then I know a much bigger handful who didn't and who graduated without a job offer or opportunity and then continued their their search after university. Um, Since it's been a year and a half now, I'm confident that the majority of those people have roles in engineering or roles where they're using the skills they developed in university in a similar way. So it's worked out in the end, but in that final year in terms of people having jobs, I think it was definitely that 50%
0: figure was
1: probably on point or maybe even a bit generous. Okay. Mm.
0: And when you were looking at applying for jobs, how did you go about that? Did you get help? Did you just... The, go to the course director? What was your process for nah, so there working was no, out applying?
1: There was no, um, like, really tangible help from the university. It was more like, you know, start looking now. Um, we did have some, like, mini subjects, which were about professional skills or employment skills, but um, they weren't that flash. And I don't think that's a reflection on my university or my course. I think that's just how it is across the board based on speaking to people who have studied other places um, or other courses in other places. It just seems like it's not really on the minds of universities to give you hard professional skills that aren't discipline related. So, I graduated with all these mechanical engineering skills but I didn't have skills that would help me in the workplace like how to conduct a meeting, how to, I don't know, how to write an email properly, you know, based on who the email is to, whether it's a client or someone in my team or some, a director of the company, that kind of thing. So, yeah, I suppose I wasn't well prepared in that sense, but the things that did prepare me were the work experience I did in university, which RMIT, I can mention, my, yeah. which RMIT and I think a lot of other universities, they do push hard. Especially with their engineering grads or undergrads to find work experience opportunities and okay. to capitalize on yeah. them because they recognize that there is a much bigger overlap between your work experience and what you'll end up doing if you don't stay in academia mm-hmm. as opposed to what we study I think what we study is much more applicable to a career in academia that's okay. in engineering yeah
0: yeah well in accounting it was a little bit different but Back in the day, um, I think MIT were the first ones here to set up a kind of a gap year to give accounting graduates a, a taste of the real world and to help them focus on whether they wanted to complete their third and final year. Yeah. It was only three degrees, three years back then, so, yeah. whereas the university I went to didn't have that. So I came out raw yeah. and had no idea. And uh, I remember my first interview very clearly and how awful it was. How was your first interview? How did you cope with that? How well, did you prepare for that? The
1: fir- my first interview for a uh, a work experience position was very, was when I was in my second year of university. And it was very impromptu, very informal. And I think I was just kind of, they were checking that I ticked certain boxes in order to take part in their undergraduate program. So. I suppose that was kind of easy for my first interview and then I did. I went through a more comprehensive interview process for an um, undergraduate position I did for a year at a diesel engine company. Um, and I think that's because they had a more formal graduate undergrad program which they repeated every year and that was terrifying. It was the first time that I was asked very, very general questions about what I wanted to do and why I wanted to work at this company. The answer to the question, why do you want to work for this company? Was simply, I just want some kind of work experience because that's what I'm supposed to do. But I knew nothing about what they did. I I didn't know a lot about what they did. I didn't know a lot about what their undergraduates did. Um, So it's a really tough question to answer, but they must've liked me because, you know, I ended up getting that role and then I spent a year working there. And that was probably the best preparation I had for interviews for when I graduated. So in my final year, I started doing these applications for graduate roles and um, going through interview processes. And I think if I hadn't done the, the year of work experience in a engineering company in an office where I met clients and engineers from all sorts of disciplines, contractors, project managers, I think I would have been a lot less prepared for the interviews I did when I was in my final year. They were still terrifying though.
0: Oh, I bet. When you first got your uh, first job then Mm -hmm. for that mechanical engineering firm, having then secured that job and been in there a short period of time, would you have recommended to somebody else, if you had a chance, how to do things differently, what to prepare for?
1: I suppose you can't... It's hard to say that you can be any level of prepared for the first day when you walk in and you get put at your desk and then I suppose you take, you know, a day or a week or sometimes even a month to kind of be oriented about what's going on and where you fit in. I suppose the, the thing that I do wish I had done, even though I like to believe that I live with no regrets, <laughs> is um, to have a more proactive approach to having a mentor. So this is, so in this um, undergrad one year work experience that I did, I had my direct manager mm-hmm. who was um, a one of the younger engineers and he'd been at the company for four years. Um, and he was a really fantastic mentor and guide and he taught me a lot of really good things Technical things about how to do our jobs, but also general professional things and how to communicate, how to communicate on the phone to different people. Um, But I didn't drive that at all. And the other trap is that that was within my own team um, and it was my own manager. And something I know now is that if you're seeking a professional mentor, not necessarily for your skills or for your specific role, just general professional stuff. I think the best thing to do is to go outside of your team, outside of your discipline, and even, for example, I'm at an engineering company, but we have, you know, finance and admin and accounting and whoever. And to actually even go as far away as to those teams, um, I, I just think that would be the best approach to seeking a mentor. So, to answer your question, sorry to give you.
0: No, no, long
1: you're fine. No. Why the answers? Um, I wish I had known that I could have driven a relationship, the formation of a relationship like that, a mentoring relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a really interesting point because it's something that in the accounting profession I know we have discussion groups and I'm a big supporter of those because it does increase your network. You know, there's no one's an island when it comes to your career and you you do need, I think inputs and that's a great way of looking at it Pat as a mentor at that stage and I'm sure that most people have a great story and in a workplace I don't think enough emphasis is given to that role because mm-hmm. they want to be able to tell you their story, they want to share their history of their growth and, and share those experiences mm-hmm. with anyone who's willing to listen and so if you can find somebody who's willing to share and mentor I think that's a great that's a really great idea, a really great tip. Thank you, Pat. Yeah, yeah.
1: and it's not hard because there's plenty of people who love talking about themselves. I'm a good example of that.
0: Most people are, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> Most people do. And that's interesting because I know when I'm interviewing somebody, I always you know, start with something as a, an icebreaker and it's generally about did you look at our website, did you do any research, and a number of times, no. Okay, so you know nothing about us, the size we are, or... You know, just anything. Mm -hmm. And I think that's always a good tip for, you know, particularly when you're not really sure or confident, Mm -hmm. do some research on the company that you're going to work for. And Mr. Google is our best friend in that regard.
1: Definitely, yeah. So that's Mm. something, again, that's something which was a difference, I think, from when I was first applying for work experience type roles is I did a quick Google search and kind of read the company's values or read the About Us page on their website and then that was it. Um, and then I was much more prepared when I was applying for graduate jobs, knowing that I, you know, didn't just, I shouldn't just be reciting their values that are on the website. I should know what they do and how they do it. And quite often what's online isn't quite enough to tell you that. And I found that the best thing for it was to, if, if I had a connection to someone who was in the company or in the industry industry or even just someone who had graduated earlier than me and might know about them, I could just send them a message. And it's... I feel like a trap that I used to fall into, but now I don't so much, is that you're always a bit reluctant to contact someone you're not familiar with or you don't really know that well or you're not, you know, on friendly terms with. It's just someone you might have met once. Mm. But it's really, really underrated how valuable it is to contact someone you don't really know. And then I think also there's in almost every case a 95% chance that they will respond in kind and enthusiastically. It's so like I said, everyone loves talking about themselves and also it's part of our nature. And I don't know if it's a human thing or an Australian thing or a Melbourneian thing, but it's part of our nature to want to help out, especially to want to help out someone who comes and asking is asking for help.
0: I like to think it's a human thing. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think that so yeah, sometimes, we well, I'm not sure, but... I do like to think that that's something that we all... And I, you'd like to hope that anyone who's in a, a senior role would be more than happy to share their skills and knowledge yeah. with somebody else who's looking to improve their life. That's Because that's what you're really doing. Yeah, definitely, and definitely. really hope that that would be something that they just do graciously and with full support. So, yeah, so well absolutely. done with that. That's a really great point. And did you reach out to people via um linkedin or yeah yeah.
1: so my sort of first point of call was i knew a few people from high school who had also studied engineering and um i took six years to do my four-year degree because i had a year off working and then also i had a year where i sort of changed degrees early on um so there are a few people who were in my year level at school who had finished and gotten jobs in engineering companies so they were my first great point of call and then Um, after that, yeah, through the different graduate networks that RMIT had, and then also through LinkedIn. Again, LinkedIn, I feel like LinkedIn facilitates this. My theory is that it kind of builds your ego up so that you feel confident to talk about anything you do and contacting people through LinkedIn, just shooting them a message or, um, you know, seeing what they do and then seeing what company they're at and then mm-hmm. even contacting the company. I find that everyone's eager to to respond and help out. And if they're not, they'll either not respond and you move on or they'll respond and say, Sorry, wrong person, or Yeah, sorry, I can't help you right now. You just keep going.
0: Yeah, it's a good way of looking at it, Pat. Yeah. yeah. It's certainly something that for recent graduates I think the navigating through getting their first job and then you know what do they do after that how do they get their first job Mm -hmm. and then when they're in their first job what's a good time to leave and maybe you know look at skills or um maybe that's another time for another another podcast but i think for a lot of people that process of getting their first job is terrifying Mm -hmm. and for a lot of people they just don't have maybe a, a network Mm. you know imagine some people come from other countries to Mm -hmm. study here it must be uh, a bit daunting for them without that background like you've had high school yeah
1: definitely and even you know i did a lot of group interviews or um like large group interviews or small group interviews there are these things that some bigger companies do assessment centers where you kind of go and you're in a room with 50 other applicants and you go through activities and then you do a like a phone networking type thing and then you do another activity and they are terrifying and everyone in the room is shitting themselves the whole time. And I just can't imagine the, I mean, I try to imagine the extra level of stress as if you were doing that in your second language or if you were doing it in a city that you went from, or even if you were doing it, the, the one thing I can relate to is, is, I'm hearing impaired so I live with a disability which makes these kind of things a little bit harder and there's a little bit of an extra level of stress or anxiety associated with that. So I feel like in a sense I can sort of relate but at the same time, I was doing all these things in my first language I just and I found them difficult and terrifying and I'd walk out of every assessment center in every interview thinking I'd, I completely blew it and I could have said everything 10 times better. Just can't imagine the stress of if you were doing it, yeah, yeah. In, in a second language or anything like or that, or
0: culturally so different. It is frightening, and yeah. Uh, yeah well, hopefully, you know, they can listen into this and get some tips on how to manage it better, and maybe re- learn how to reach out a bit as well. So, yeah. uh, which is a good thing.
1: I, f- I feel like we're blessed to live in the day and age that we do, or that for for me to be to be young and you know. Entering the professional world at the time that I do, because companies are a lot more aware of things they need to be sensitive of and challenges that people might be facing. I think, as opposed to how it was twenty or thirty or forty years ago, I don't know because I wasn't there. But um,
0: well, ha- speaking of someone who has been there for that time, but I think uh, I like to think though that throughout every everyone's journey, we're all blessed because I face different issues. In a different workplace, I came out in 10% unemployment and I'd moved away from home to study. So, you know, it was a bit daunting leaving home at 18 from a very small community where I lived into into Melbourne, which I was overwhelmed with. And uh, I think everyone when they realize that the time that they're in there are challenges because we look back at what our parents were like mm-hmm. and their workplace mm-hmm. as you're doing no doubt to how your parents work and mm-hmm. and you do see the differences you know but um, I think it's a very exciting time moving ahead and and certainly the technology changes that we have are both terrifying and absolutely invigorating and exciting
1: yeah absolutely And so
0: it is a whole new world but that's always the way work has been there's Mm. always been you know I can remember when we used to use uh, because that how old I am Pat you probably don't know these things called telex machines Mm. and then you know how exciting it was when my my first boss wow a fax came in and how critically exciting it was this is urgent it's a fax yeah no it's just electronic mail and now no one even has a fax machine anymore. Yeah, I honestly wouldn't know how to use no, one. No, I know you wouldn't. So. Uh, we won't go there, Pat. <laughs> so I think every generation looks back at how their parents have worked and mm-hmm. thinks, oh, my God, how did they do that? Mm-hmm. And then you look forward with both trepidation and excitement. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah. The other
1: the other big one that I've failed to mention before is... And I think it's a really big thing in engineering because it's traditionally a male-dominated industry. I don't know if it's the same for accounting. But totally. Being yeah. a woman in engineering. It was when I was young. Yeah. yeah Different being now. A, being a, a woman in engineering or a young woman who's going through the same kind of journey that I am, there's a whole other set of challenges, things to be anxious about, which, again, we live in a time and age where things are changing for the better. But I think...
0: Sometimes they're slow, Pat. Yeah, Sometimes they're slow yeah. to be... Uh, we say the right things, but sometimes in practice we yeah, don't put it into place. I,
1: I really truly believe that that women in my industry face a huge amount of challenges that I can't understand and probably won't ever fully understand. But then I'm at my company, and there are some female engineers there who have been in the industry for twenty or thirty years, and I cannot imagine what it could have been like when they were my age.
0: Yeah,
1: you know, looking at the challenges that. Women my age face now in the professional world. And then in my head, I just think I have to times supply a thousand to understand what it yeah. could have been like back then.
0: Interesting times. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for that, Pat. And uh, I appreciate your time today. So thank yeah, no you. No worries. Thanks for having me in. You've been listening to Broke Away from the Pack. To be kept up to date about future episodes, please hit subscribe. And if you'd like us to cover off on any particular issue concerning you and your professional education, please let us know and we'll do our best to answer it. Thanks for listening.